You're my all. You're my righteousness. You're the all that we have. Christ is all in all. We thank you for that, Lord Jesus. We thank you for enduring the cross that we might have life. We sing a praise and joy today and victory and life because of your death. May we come to know you as Brother Eric has shared with us today. May it be our desire this year that we might know you in the power of your resurrection, the fellowship of your sufferings, and be conformable to your death. Lord, how I pray that you might help us today that as we gather in this place, we commit ourselves to you today as we seek to do every day, as living in holy sacrifices before you forgive us of our sins, even those things that we have done as we've been in this place together. Forgive us of our sins. May you find some way to use us as your people who are part of this church. And forgive us as a church as we've not done things that have pleased you toward one another and toward our responsibilities in the gospel. How we pray that in the days you give us until Jesus comes... And how we pray 2021 would be the coming days of the Lord Jesus. But until then, we pray that you'd give us strength by the Holy Spirit to do the work you've called us to do. So we stand before you seeking to honor and glorify you with our lives and commit ourselves to you for the year. Or however much of the year you give us. If our days are numbered and this is the end for us. We pray, Lord, that the Word of God might be dear to our hearts and that we might truly find ourselves in fellowship around the Word of God and that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher today. And We can only be taught by the Holy Spirit, Lord, as you remove the sin from our life and we pray that you'd forgive us if we've grieved to quench the Holy Spirit. We ask now that you might grant us mercy and grace to hear and to respond and today to think seriously about the absolute sufferings of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and His finished work on the cross in the days ahead. We praise You now. We glorify You, Lord Jesus Christ, for all that You have done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. You Thank you. You may be seated. Good morning. Happy New Year. If you have your Bible, if you'll find your place in the Gospel of John, in John's Gospel... Uh, as I mentioned to you last week, it is my desire as your pastor, I seek to work at this very hard and uh, ask the Lord to give me wisdom to understand what it is that I should spend my time in sharing with you from the Word of God Sunday by Sunday. And uh, so these days we'll begin to talk about something new. This is a very important truth for us, and I believe with all of my heart, this is what God wants us to consider and think about, the Lord willing, from now until Easter time or around that time, <clears throat> we're going to be talking about the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. I come now today to give glory to the Lord Jesus Christ, and He alone is worthy of praise. And so today we'll begin to think about this very important truth, it is finished. We come to John 19, and so today I call you to the place of the skull. You think you came to First Baptist Church, but now, before you leave today, we go to the place of the skull where the Lord Jesus Christ 
died on the place of the skull. And we consider His great sacrifice for us of Himself. And He finished His work and accomplished it. And that's what we'll be talking about. And in the days ahead, I want to challenge you again to think about and consider the deep truths about what the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished in His dying on the cross. We read this morning, I witness words. The one who writes these words, John the Apostle, was standing there at the cross with the Lord Jesus' mother and some others. He heard what the Lord Jesus said and he saw the final suffering and death of the Lord Jesus Christ. He writes and says in John 19, 35, And he who has seen has testified. And his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth. So that you also may believe. Now some 2,000 years later we will come back to the place of the skull where our brother and spiritual father, John the Apostle, brings our minds back to the death of the Lord Jesus Christ that provides for us the only way to eternal life and salvation. So now we stand in honor of the reading of God's Word and we read these words of John the witness of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, beginning in verse 16. So he, that is Pilate, then handed over him, that is the Lord Jesus, to them to be crucified. They took Jesus, therefore, and he went out, bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two other men, one on either side, and Jesus in between. Verse 25, But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus then saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. From that hour the disciple took her into his own household. Now our focus is primarily verses 28 to 30. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill Scripture, said, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. 
Heavenly Father, bless the reading of the Word of God today, and may the Holy Spirit be our teacher today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Therefore, when Jesus had received the vinegar, that's the reading. When Jesus had received the vinegar, sour wine doesn't do it justice. When he had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. Receiving the vinegar, and then he declares, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The final words, the final breaths of the Lord Jesus Christ on this earth. Finishing the work to provide salvation for the world who will, who will believe in him by faith. Our focal truth today is this, that all things were finished through Christ's death on the cross. All things were finished through Christ's death on the cross. He declares, he declares the final words. It is finished. It's interesting to me to see these verses in verse 28 and 30. You have these, these words that have to do with accomplishment and finishing. In verse 28, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished. And then verse 30, therefore, He said, it is finished. We admire those who accomplish things. Many of us in this room, because of our family and those who have gone before us, accomplish things so that we might enjoy what we have today. We talk about it in our country. Our forefathers who went through the pains and struggles they did so that we might have the opportunity for the freedoms we have in the United States of America. Accomplishment and work. Work done, work finished, and work accomplished is always admired. But no one in history has ever accomplished nor finished work like the Lord Jesus Christ. And today I give Him glory for that. It is because of what He finished and accomplished that you can be saved. It is because of what He finished and accomplished that we have a story to tell to the nations. We ought to be telling it. It is because He accomplished and finished what He did that we have the opportunity to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and experience all the wonders and joys and blessings that come, all the benefits that come from these words that we read today about this event when Jesus died and said, it is finished. That's what we'll, I'll try to display for you over the next weeks, Lord willing. We'll look at what does the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross accomplish for us. And perhaps it will lead you to celebrate and praise God with a new spirit. I wonder today when the last time you seriously thought and allowed your heart to be affected by the truth that Jesus Christ has died for sin. When was the last time you considered these words and thought about it? You know, we have lots of sensibilities in the modern world. We're not so familiar with these, uh, these, these stories, this event of crucifixion. 
uh, when this is written by John in the early centuries, so he then handed him over to them to be crucified, <clears throat> meant something quite different to the first century person than to the 21st century person. You haven't gone by any street recently with men hanging on crosses. You've not heard the painful, terrible sounds of nails being driven into flesh and men groaning and moaning in public execution. It hasn't happened to anybody here. So we in our sensibilities forget this unbelievable, as the Word of God says, public display. God publicly displayed Jesus Christ as the propitiation or satisfaction for sin. And they all saw it. And now you see it as you read the Word of God. We cry when we watch sad movies. We cry when we bury the dog. We cry when all of our special shows come to an end. But do you ever weep about the cross of Jesus? Do you care? We come to the Lord's table and what did He do? He said, do this in remembrance of me. Don't forget about me. The modern church of the Lord Jesus Christ seems to have moved on. Why, why would we want to talk about such a terrible thing as the cross that seems so negative? But we must. My job is to display before you as best I can as a fellow traveler and disciple of the Lord Jesus the miseries, the sacrifice, the sufferings, and the glories of the cross of Jesus. And I will seek to do it. Does it ever touch your heart, my friend? You see, I'm convinced in these days at First Baptist Church, we need a return to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ as the center of our thinking. Amen. A lot of us in this room thinking about a lot of ideas and opinions. But today we need to remember, and they took Jesus, therefore, and He went out, verse 17, bearing His own cross to the place called the place of a skull. Well, there are four observations that I have for you from verses 28 to 30. These are all very important and I'll do my best to be clear about them. But I want to spend the time here. I'm lingering on these words, especially as you notice, Jesus drinking and Jesus dying in verse 30. Or you might say Jesus tasting and dying, however you want to say it. When Jesus had received the vinegar, He tasted it. He took it in. It touched His lips and He took it. And then He said, it is finished. The bitterness of the vinegar and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ in triumph. This is the contrast we have in the cross. First, all things were finished. The Lord Jesus agonized in thirst to the end. I want, you, I, want you to, I want you to read these words as pitiful as they sound. You see, these Roman soldiers who were standing here this day doing this job, this was their job. They were assigned to crucify criminals. 
They brought their lunch, I'm sure, and they had their water and all the rest. They're going to be up there all day long crucifying people. Here they come. And these men, I'm sure, from their experience of crucifying many people, had heard lots of things on the cross. These men, criminals, hanging on crosses. Who knows what all they'd heard them say. But these words were different from this one. The Lord Jesus Christ, whom Pilate chose to put a sign on His cross that declared Jesus the Nazarene, verse 19, the King of the Jews. Well, He's crucified between two in verse 18. They crucified Him. That says a lot. There's a lot in those words, in the whole process of crucifying a human being. They crucified Him and with Him two other men. And we know from the other Gospels, they're common criminals. And they're being executed for their crimes. One cursing Jesus and saying, if you really are who you say you are. Mocking with the rest of the crowd. If you say you are who you are, then why don't you save us? And the other man begging for mercy. And confessing his sin on the cross. And the Lord saying, as we know, seven various sayings recorded as you put together all the Gospels and the cross. But here, He takes care of responsibility for His mother. And then He says, I am thirsty. Oh, my friend. These are real words. These aren't words of an actor. We read these words in verse 28. And now He knows that all things, the Lord Jesus knows that all things have already been accomplished to fulfill Scripture. And He said, I am thirsty. He didn't say it play acting. He said it because He was thirsty. Fully human. Suffering both mentally, emotionally, and physically. Exhausted from the agony of beatings. And I won't be grotesque, but just to remind you, the lacerating wounds... All across his body, face all the way down. The agony of standing for hours in front of liars, putting out false charges on his feet, finally beaten to a pulp, and then carrying his own crossbeam to the place of the skull. He had no breaks, he didn't get to take a nap. He suffered all the way and he was thirsty. He refused the wine to dull the pain of crucifixion. Don't ever miss that. He thirsted and gave his thirst. He gave himself up in thirst at the very end. The, the last physical statement the Lord makes about his condition is, I am thirsty. You need to see the Lord Jesus Christ, if He is your Lord today, saying, I am thirsty. Because He finished His work with real thirst, fulfilling all that prophecy meant to say, I am thirsty. His body was done and spent. Have you ever been thirsty to death? It's a dangerous condition to be dehydrated. 
We're told by those who know these things that once thirst comes, you're pretty much close to death. The reality is the thirst of God, the thirst of the Lord Jesus Christ for God was here, but now He was thirsty. He was separated. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In the darkness, He cried those words because of His separation from God the Father, because sin was laid upon Him. All things were finished and He agonized. I want you to hear me. He agonized in thirst. I am thirsty. Secondly, all things were finished because He knew when the work was complete. Oh, the Lord Jesus was not dulled in His mind. Listen, this is important for you to remember about your Lord Jesus as He suffered on the cross. Verse 28 Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished, He knew it. The Lord had clear thinking even in the midst of His sufferings. I ask you today, when you get sick, when you suffer, is your mind clear? The Lord's was very clear. He had clear knowledge. He was completely aware in all of His sufferings, in His mental and emotional struggles, as well as the physical pain and the thirst of his body and the writhing pain from being beaten and all of the nails and all the rest and trying to breathe, which we know crucifixion is a, it's a, it's a means of you suffocate. In all of the agony of the time, he's fully aware of his sufferings. And I want you to hear this. He knew what he would suffer before he suffered these things. Jesus said in, uh, John says in John 13, 1, Jesus knew that his hour had come. Jesus was full well clear and understood all the prophecies regarding Messiah's suffering and death. He was aware that all of his preaching had ended in the healing and the glorifying of God the Father on this earth and giving us His blessed truths and words. It was all done. He knew that He was about to satisfy the wrath of God. He had clear thinking. He knew everything that was going to happen to Him before it happened. I remind you today, we didn't know what would happen in 2020 and here it came. And we don't know what will happen in 2021. But the Lord knew ahead of time all that He would suffer and He still suffered. When he said in the garden, if it is possible for this cup to pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He knew it all and he faced the place of the skull, knowing clearly what would happen to him. That's the glory of the suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ. All things were finished and he drank bitter vinegar as his last drink. I am thirsty, verse 29, a jar full of sour wine. It's vinegar. Was standing there. I'm saying vinegar. I want you to hear the word vinegar. There's no one today that's going to invite your friends to your house and say, let me pour you some vinegar. There's a... 
a jar, not a cup, a jar full of sour wine of vinegar standing there. And they put the sponge full of sour vinegar on a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. His last drink was a drink of bitterness. The last moisture to touch his blessed lips was vinegar, sour bitterness. He tasted death for every man, Paul says in Hebrews. The last act of mockery, again I say to you, these soldiers had their water. But here, here Jesus, King of the Jews, have some vinegar in your thirst. That's the way sinful man mocks the Lord Jesus Christ in his dying for sin. Here, Lord. Here, Jesus, King of the Jews, with the crown of thorns smashed on His head, and a sign above His head, and all the mockery that went on among the Romans, pagans, and Jews. Here. Here's you something to drink. He tasted... His last taste was not the coolness of water, but bitter vinegar. That's what he tasted last. He thirsted so that we might not ever feel the bitterness of sin and the wrath of God. That's what you face today if you're lost here today. Bitterness. That's what you face today if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Eternal thirst. For what did the man say? What did, what did that man say, that rich man, when he lifted up his eyes in hell? He begged Abraham just to bring him some cool water to quench his thirst. And that's what it is. Eternal hell, the place of thirstiness. But he tasted bitterness. No sweetness in his death. All things were finished. He agonized in thirst to the end. When he received the vinegar, he said words of triumph. It is finished. All things were finished. And he declared the work of redemption finished. How can, I, how can I say to you, friend? It is finished. There are no words like this. There are no words that we can comprehend. We, we could spend this entire year thinking about and meditating on this truth, this statement. It is finished for all of the good of your salvation, all the security and assurance you have of being saved when you die and going to heaven is all tied up in this word. All of the certainty that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved is tied up in this word. You see, he said, it is finished. He he took the bitterness of the vinegar and then he said, it is finished. He finished his work obediently. What does Paul say? Philippians 2.8, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. He humbled himself. He finished the work in full, complete obedience. He finished the work of redemption, of salvation for sin 
freely. What did the Lord say Himself? I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No man takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself, and I have the power to lay it down and take it up again. He finished the work obediently. He finished the work freely. He finished the work completely, Paul says to us. He is able to save those forever who draw near to Him. He finished the work lovingly, out of love for sinners. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. His love for the world, His love for sinners, put Him here, and He finished obediently, freely, completely, lovingly, triumphantly over sin, the devil, and the grave, so that we no longer have to fear any of that who are saved. Jesus said to the Father, I have glorified you on earth, and I have finished the work you gave me to do. He finished death for sin finally. There's nothing else to be done. The work of salvation has been done. You cannot save yourself. You cannot save yourself. Your morals and your living in a moral climate and doing nice things will never get you to heaven. Your idea that there's a God and I'll just be good to people will never get you to heaven. You must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, repent of your sins, and be saved. Sin is the cause of man's problem. Sin is what has separated us from God. And sin is what takes you back away from God as a Christian. And the Lord Jesus declares, it is finished. What is the first principle we teach all of those who come to know Jesus? When we're training them, well, it's 1 Corinthians 15, 3. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And that's what you see here. Therefore, when Jesus had received the vinegar, He said, it is finished. And He bowed His head and gave up His spirit. It is finished, church. It is finished. It is finished. Are you glad today? It is finished. We should live like it's finished. We should conduct ourselves as those who have experienced the finished work of Christ. His finished work gives to us the unfinished task of sharing the gospel. And in 2021, this church must step forward and make it our priority to go back to our orders. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And I am with you always to the end of the age. You shall be my witnesses. It is our duty to do the unfinished work in our generation, telling our friends, our neighbors, and our family about the Lord Jesus Christ. It is our duty. It is our job. Those who have experienced the finished work of Christ, go to do the unfinished work of sharing the gospel until the end of our days. So what do we need to remember today? Well, I have several things I want to say to you as we finish this and begin this new year considering the finished work of Jesus Christ. Number one, the Lord Jesus felt every pain of suffering in His beating and on the cross. 
Don't ever forget this. Maybe today on this Lord's Day, before you do anything else, before you turn the TV on, before you go and find your entertainment and other things, maybe you go home today and you read again this story in John 19 of the crucifixion and you allow your mind to hear these words, I am thirsty. From the very one who gave the water of life to all who would believe in his own day walking on the earth, who created all of the, the waters and floods of waters that are in existence. This one said, I am thirsty. That's how desperate he became so that you and I might be saved. He felt every pain. He didn't try to find any kind of sedative to, to somehow null, dull, and nullify the pain. He felt it all to the full and knew it was coming. The Lord's death on the cross left nothing else to do for redemption of sin. It's all done. Think about it. It's done. The Lord's death on the cross paid our debt for sin and the Lord Jesus Christ completely suffered to save completely those who will believe in Him. He saves us, what does Paul say? To the uttermost who believe. But I don't want you to forget as you go today the last taste of the Lord Jesus Christ before His blessed death was bitterness. Bitterness. So that you don't have to be a bitter person or live in bitterness and face a bitter death. So what do I do with these things if I'm to live for the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, I must... Learn to praise the Lord Jesus for His finished work. And we're going to work on that all through the first part of this year, Lord willing. He has done all. He has suffered all. He has paid for all. Therefore, what should I do? By the way, when I think about these things and meditate on the cross of the Lord Jesus, I learn how to suffer like a Christian ought to suffer. We're having trouble just learning how to suffer during these days we're going through with the physical issues and emotional issues that are going on. Do you know how to suffer as a Christian? Peter says we, we follow in his steps. When you stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ in the public place in this world in which we live, even in the United States of America, you can expect pushback. You can expect ridicule. You can expect to be ostracized and mocked. And if they can, hurt. Do you know how to suffer as a Christian? Our Lord teaches us how. When He was reviled, He did not revile. And what do I do more than anything else when I come to the cross? When I come to the place of the skull? Well, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I recognize that for my sin, He tasted the bitterness of death. And finished the work of salvation. 
The old hymn says, "'Tis finished. The Messiah dies, cut off for sins, but not His own. Accomplished is the sacrifice. The great redeeming work is done." The great redeeming work is done. Salvation now is for all who will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you not glad today, church? We should say hallelujah, praise God, it is finished.